Life's everyday mystery solved. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Welcome aboard. I'm Joe Schwartz. I direct McGill University's Office for Science and Society. And today I have two colleagues with me in the studio. I have uh, Jonathan Jerry and Emily Shore, and we are going to discuss some of the interesting things that are happening in the world of science. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about one of the most interesting and one of the most widely produced chemicals in the world. That is titanium dioxide. You're probably not all that familiar with it, and yet it's all around you. It's in your toothpaste. It's uh, on your walls in form of paint. It's very likely in your cosmetic powders. And it is in your sun protection products. Titanium dioxide is a white pigment and it's found in virtually every paint, not only in white paint and all kinds of other paints. This is what gives the white color to toothpaste. Well, obviously, since it is in toothpaste, you want to make sure that it's safe and swallowing small amounts of titanium dioxide is not a problem. In fact, it is even approved as a food coloring agent. They used to dust it on top of donuts in order to cut the sugar. Well, that isn't done anymore because people don't want titanium dioxide on their donuts. Not that there was anything really dangerous uh, about that. In sunscreens and in sunblocks, which are not the same, sunblocks totally block all the UV light. They just reflect it. Sunscreens absorb some of the UV light. Well, interestingly enough, titanium dioxide can do both. It depends on the size of the particles. When the particles are large, it looks all white and it reflects all light. This is the stuff that we used to see on the noses of lifeguards. It's very white and people don't like that. Well, when it's ground into much smaller particles, it transmits visible light, so it doesn't look all that white, but it still absorbs ultraviolet light. And this, of course, is great when it comes to sunscreens and, uh, and sunblocks because everyone knows that sunscreens are important these days. We have certainly established that there's a very strong cause and effect relationship between exposure to the sun and, uh, and skin cancer. But there are some other interesting uh, uh, aspects of titanium dioxide. Well, you actually may want some of it in your genes, believe it or not. Uh, when uh, you're talking about very tiny particles, nano-sized particles of titanium dioxide, and those are 10 billionths of a meter in diameter, they can actually have some interesting and beneficial properties. Well, what are we talking about? There are more genes in the world than people. We're talking about genes, J-E-A-N-S, the stuff that you wear. And uh, that statistic sparked an idea in the mind of University of Sheffield chemist Tony Ryan. Why not use people's penchant for wearing denim to help purify the air? After all, the International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies outdoor air pollution in Group 1, reserved for substances that are known to cause cancer in humans. It estimates that there are up to 7 million premature deaths in the world every year as a result of air pollution. With thoughts of reducing pollutants such as nitrogen oxides and volatile organic compounds emitted by vehicles, power plants, residential heating, cooking, various consumer products, Ryan, in partnership with former fashion designer Helen Story, came up with the concept of catalytic clothing. What does that mean? 
Well, catalytic apparel uses fabric impregnated with nano-sized particles of titanium dioxide to degrade air pollutants. Nano means small. So small that combined surface area of the nanoparticles that are distributed through any fabric is immense. And that matters because the action takes place on the surface of the particles. Titanium dioxide can serve as a photocatalyst, meaning that it can make chemical reactions happen when exposed to the right wavelength of light, in this case, ultraviolet. The light energy causes it to release electrons that then target water molecules in the air, breaking them apart to form extremely reactive hydroxyl radicals that then chop up organic compounds into simple molecules such as carbon dioxide and convert nitrogen oxides into water-soluble nitric acid. And you know what? This is not just theory. It is well-established technology that already has commercial application, for example, in self-cleaning glass. A thin layer of titanium dioxide ends window-cleaning worries, as long as the climate provides for sufficient sunshine and rain. The chemical can even be mixed into concrete, resulting in self-cleaning buildings, such as the Jubilee Church in Rome. Thanks to titanium dioxide, we may never have to confront yellow urinals again. Coating the ceramic with a layer of titanium dioxide, about a fiftieth the thickness of human hair, prevents stains from forming. The technology also has potential in operating rooms, where bacteria on floor and wall tiles can be destroyed with fluorescent light, common in hospitals, furnishing enough of the right wavelengths. And how about self-cleaning tiles for the kitchen and bathroom? Clearly, titanium dioxide photocatalyst is sound technology. But can wearing jeans treated with this chemical actually have an impact on air pollution? According to Professor Ryan, yes. He calculates that if a third of a million people in Sheffield wore such jeans, nitrogen oxide levels could be significantly reduced. And there is no need to buy special jeans. Titanium dioxide particles stick readily to the fabric, so the idea is to add a formulation of the chemical to the water when the genes are being laundered. The nanoparticles will stick until the fabric degrades. As is often the case in science, there is a but. What happens if nanoparticles enter the bloodstream? What tissues might they affect? Titanium dioxide has the potential to damage DNA, but to do that, it has to enter cells. That is a possibility, since nanoparticles are smaller than cells. In the lab, nano-titanium dioxide has been shown to damage DNA in human intestinal cells, but only at doses far, far higher than what could ever be ingested. In any case, people will not be dining on their treated genes. But they may be gulping donuts or a vast array of other foods, such as gobstoppers, M&Ms, pastries, soy milk, that have titanium dioxide added to them to provide a more pleasing white appearance. Only about 5% of the titanium dioxide is made of nano-sized particles, but that has raised concern because IARC has classified titanium dioxide as possibly carcinogenic to humans. Now, I know that sounds scary, but that classification is based on inhalation of titanium dioxide dust in an occupational setting which of course is quite different exposure than eating a donut with titanium dioxide enhanced white sugar coating. Nevertheless, consumer activism has resulted in Dunkin' Donuts removing titanium dioxide from the powdered sugar coating on its products. Well, maybe it can be redirected into catalyst genes. 
we really don't need to make junk food look more appealing, do we? So titanium dioxide, as you can see, is, is really a very, very interesting uh, material. And this uh, idea of it serving as a photocatalyst is, is really neat. But then people start worrying. What about the stuff that I'm putting on my skin? Can that also act as a photocatalyst and produce these free radicals when it's exposed to the sun? Well, so far, there has been no evidence whatsoever that titanium dioxide in any kind of sun protection product presents a problem. So use sun protection products because what we know for sure is that if you don't, you do increase your risk for skin cancer. Well, there's some more stuff to talk about uh, uh, some protection products because of a new study that just recently came out which shows that when you apply any sun protection product to the skin some of its ingredients go through the skin into the blood we will discuss that and uh, I have two guests in studio today my colleagues Jonathan Jerry and Elmi Shore and uh, with them we will get down to discussing the sun protection products and some other really neat stuff you're listening to the Dr. Joe Show, and we will be right back. Science you can use. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. A recent study about sunscreens. The title of this study, published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, obviously a reputable journal, Effect of Sunscreen Application Under Maximal Use Conditions on Plasma Concentration of Sunscreen Active Ingredients. That's a scientific title. And uh, what the researchers did was uh, to take 24 healthy volunteers who put on sunscreen and they put it on maximally, meaning that they did this every two hours covering 75% of their body. Well, then uh, the researchers took blood samples and found that they were able to detect the presence of some of the ingredients that were present in the sunscreen in the bloodstream of the people who had uh, applied it. That's all that they did. And the conclusion, this is a long paper, several pages. The last line of this paper, these results do not indicate that individuals should refrain from the use of sunscreen. Hmm. Of course, that was not the interpretation of the, of the media. Jonathan, what do you think? How, how did the media you think pick this up? Well, I mean, the first thing is good news, bad news, which is that most people don't use sunscreen in that way. Uh, we're, we don't use it the way that it's supposed to be used. We don't put on enough. We don't put it uh, frequently enough. So the, the bad news is that we're not as protected uh, towards the sun rays as we think we are. The good news is we may not uh, get the levels in our blood of these chemicals that have been reported in this in the study. But obviously, the media probably freaked out about this and told us that we, we are poisoning ourselves with sunscreen. Exactly, exactly. Because, of course, they... Uh, don't talk about the fact that, that it is quite obvious that anything that you put on the skin, uh, some of it will be absorbed. And today, with our analytical capabilities, we can detect just about anything as long as we look for it. But what kind of amounts are we talking about? We are talking about nanogram quantities. Uh, the concentrations that they detect are... Uh, Units of measurement are nanograms per milligram. A nanogram is a billionth of a gram. This is a very, very small amount. And uh, it really is a, a testimonial to the talents of analytical chemists these days that we can find these things. Mm -hmm. And if you look for it, you will find it. And so in this case, yes, I mean, they find the ingredients of these uh, sunscreen products. But we are exposed to 
thousands and thousands of compounds every day in the food that we eat, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink. Normally, you don't tend to look for them, but if you would look for them, you'd, you'd find them. So, you know, as, as I so often say, the presence of a chemical does not equate to the presence of risk. Uh, we'd have to know much, much more about uh, uh just what those numbers mean. Has anyone shown that at those levels, these chemicals are, are a problem? And of course, no. I mean, and what's the alternative? So someone's going to read the study and then all of a sudden, coming out to the summer days, not put sunscreen on themselves or their children. You're going to pose, a, you have a greater risk of other uh, negative side effects. Than yes, but I think chemicals. that some people not, will right. misinterpret it mm -hmm. and, and think that, oh, you know, I'm getting these chemicals into my body. And then, of course, you start looking up, you know, oxybenzone is one of the chemicals that is used because it's a very good uh, UV filter. And you go on the internet and you start exploring oxybenzone and you find out, oh, this is an endocrine disruptor. It can interfere with reproduction and, you know, all of this which may be the case, but not in the concentrations mm -hmm. that we're uh, dealing with, with here. And of course, it is important to use a sunscreen, but uh, it's it's one of the things that, that you know people tend to, to lie about is how often they put on sunscreen mm -hmm. because they know that they, they should. I mean, people lie about all kinds of things, you know? I mean, we know they, li they lie about how frequently they have sex. That's probably the biggest <laughs> lie that there's out there. Uh, and, and then about you know how often well, they food. put on sunscreen. And food reporting. And, and food. Mm -hmm. and how often they use dental floss that's another one <laughs> you know uh, so sunscreen it's all you have to keep putting it on which is what this study exactly sure to do. okay and so so how honest are you you run outside a, a lot yeah i actually don't put on enough sunscreen i don't think and especially the amount that i sweat when i exercise outside it is you have you do have to keep putting it on i make sure to buy the one that says for athletes or for sweat when i i've asked you before also i don't think there is anything different in those than other types i mean it's all about the marketing and yet i do go to the ones that say you know for athletic people or and also you know, you know people say well if, if it says uh, resistant to water you don't have to put it on after you right. uh, that's not so yeah. you you've got to reapply it right you got to reapply all right well let's move on from uh, sunscreen now that we've established that that there's no big risk in applying it, and you've got to apply enough. Now, just one last thing is how much do you apply? You know, the usual recommendation is to cup your hand, mm -hmm. and the amount that you put in there is what you should use to cover your body. Really? Just about nobody does that. Wow. Right? I mean, because Whoa. that's a huge amount of... Uh, huge and, amount. And, uh, that's also the it, size it, of protein you're supposed to eat. Get it as food guide. And also, it will, it will bankrupt you, right? Those things are ex uh, are expensive. Wait, Long so sleeves, <laughs> hats. Exactly. It's going to help uh, as well. Exactly. The slip, slap, and slop. That's the Australian uh, motto, right? Uh, slip on a sweatshirt, uh, slap on a hat, and slop on some uh, <laughs> sunscreen. sunscreen. <laughs> and and it, I mean, in Australia, it, you the know, rate of skin cancer oh, is fairly high. It is. So it's a, a lot huge of white deal. people in, a, in an area that gets a lot yeah. of UV rays. It's a huge deal. All right, let's go from Australia to the Amazon. Sure. And uh, Jonathan, I know you, you want to talk about... Uh, Let's not say too much about this, because I'm really curious to hear uh, Emily's thoughts on this. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, no. Go I, frog I, away. I, I learned this story from Elemental. So Elemental is a new publication from the Medium blogging empire. Oh. Uh, it's meant to be for science-backed health and wellness coverage. Every day you will find new, ambitious, and trustworthy reporting on the many ways to live a healthy life. And uh, this particular article, I thought, was was quite quite well done but there were others that uh, were not exactly trustworthy 
Let's call it, is combo really the next wellness trend? Have you heard of combo, Emily? I have not. So it's a story. How do you spell it? K-A-M-B-O. Okay. And it's a story of a session where five people are sitting in a circle. One has had liver problems. Another one, another one wants to achieve clarity of mind. One wants a physical cleanse without the psychological experience of ayahuasca. Mm. And what they do is they burn a hole in their skin with an incense stick. And they dab this kind of gooey substance called combo. And I'll explain after the break what this is. And then their body temperature starts to rise. And then the vomiting starts. Oh, my. And uh, some feel the need to defecate. And after this whole experience is over, uh, the journalist describes the participants as having swollen lips and bags under their eyes and puffy cheeks. And, and and this is this is what's happening. That's because of the comba. Because of the combo, that substance yeah. that you put on your exactly. On but you have, I mean, first you have to burn a little bit of the skin. Right. You dab it there, just a little bit of it, and you have this very overwhelming physical experience. Uh, you start to feel very very hot. Uh, some people vomit, uh, and and some people really. And there are all kinds of health claims being made uh, about this oh. particular substance. I would not engage in such an activity. <laughs> well, uh, how could that even be health? What did they say? Health promoting? It sounds horrible. So, I mean, just before we go to break, I guess I can tell you what the claims are. It can boost the immune system. It can increase fertility, detox the liver, helps with acne, gets rid of allergies, cleans out your gallbladder. It's good for high blood pressure, herpes, diabetes, Lyme disease, what? ALS, and a potential to treat cancer. Oh, no. All right. Well, we are certainly intrigued by that, and we're going to find out what it actually is and where combo comes from and what scientific evidence there is for it having any kind of an effect. You're listening to The Dr. Joe Show, and we will be right back. Your source when you need answers. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. My colleagues from the Miguel Office for Science and Society are with me, Jonathan, Jerry, and Emily Shore, and we are talking about Cambo. And uh, I told you that it's got something to do with uh, the Amazon. All right. We already established the fact that uh, you burn your skin a little bit, and then you apply this resinous material called Cambo, which supposedly has all kinds of curative properties, but of course it also makes you vomit and makes you feel sick. What is Cambo? Where do we get it? Like, sorry, I'm like laughing. It's like, oh, an afternoon activity. Let's just do this. But I, I imagine, obviously, the people who are engaging in this, that's the, you know, the vulnerable population who they are seeking to some sort of remedy for their health. And then it makes me feel actually badly. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It, I, I never want to blame the people who buy into this, but yeah. the people who are selling this. Uh, so what is Combo? Uh, combo is the dried skin secretion. We're off to a great start, <laughs> of the blue and yellow frog found in the Amazon basin. Oh. Uh, it has no psychedelic effect, apparently, just physical ones, very powerful physical reactions. And, of course, it's a brew of a ton of different chemicals. Um, there is, you will be shocked to learn, there's an International Association of Cambo Practitioners. Mm. There are 17 of them listed in Canada, four in Quebec. Joe, you hear about that? You're on that? No? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've actually talked to them. I've actually talked to them and I've actually seen this happen. Really? Yeah. You've seen this group, these effects I've, happen? I've, I've seen the effect happen. So I'll tell you about that. All right. So from their website for the, the International Association, uh, something that made me laugh, but is actually, actually no laughing matter. It says, quote, Cambo is 100% safe in the right hands. It's true that there have been accidents in the past and that people have died, but the number is very small and the circumstances of these deaths have shown that Cambo should not have been given to them because of their pre-existing health conditions. 
Um, yeah, so uh, I mean that's the thing. So 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 there are there are there's a brew of chemicals uh, that these frogs are secreting, and of course there is a rich history of using or modifying molecules found in nature as medicines. Mm-hmm. Right? We have opiates for better or for worse. We have cancer drugs like paclitaxel and vincristine, uh, aspirin, uh, of course, which is a salicylate that is similar to ones produced by many plants like the willow tree. But there is a reason why pharmacists don't hand patients a chunk of willow tree bark to take care of their headaches. Or the backside of a frog. Yes. uh, So we do have to isolate the active ingredient. I mean, for example, a natural lemon has over 60 molecules, right? So we have to isolate the thing that we're interested in. We have to test to see if it does what we think it does. We have to see if it has side effects. Can we modify it to make it more powerful to diminish its side effects? And then does it reach its therapeutic target in the body? Is it metabolized by the body too quickly? Is it tolerated? So, obviously, by dabbing the secretion of a frog onto your skin, you're exposing yourself to hundreds of chemicals in doses that vary from sample to sample, Mm -hmm. and it strikes me as being extremely foolish. It is. It is interesting. Uh, The frog doesn't think it's so interesting. (laughs) Uh, First of all, you have to, to gather these frogs at night. Because during the day, you can't see them. They're all green, oh. so they're very camouflaged. So you have to go out with uh, these headlamps and to, into the uh, Amazon jungle at night with snake boots. You have to have these boots that are lined with steel. I smell an know. OSS field yeah. trip. Sounds like fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So you get these, these frogs, and they, uh, they're quite immobile. They sit on branches. You can actually break off the branch, and the frog comes with it and, oh. and carry it back. And if you're an animal rights activist, you're going to love the next part. Oh, boy. Uh, the uh, the frogs, of course, secrete these chemicals for protection. They, they're not secreting these so that people can scrape them, burn their arm, and put some of this into their bloodstream. So what uh, uh, the people who collect these frogs do once they've done that is they, they tie strings to the four limbs of the frog. And uh, they suspend the frog from four sticks so that the, the, the animal is spread-eagled. And they say they say the frog doesn't mind this. This is what they say. I don't know how one would. Uh, I would mind. Yeah, how one would know this. Anyway, uh, then the frog uh, starts secreting this white resin because. Well, it's like a protective mechanism. E- exactly. Then, right? like so, a, like a skunk so or something. I think that in itself is is evidence that it doesn't He's much to like them, this. No, thank you. So anyway, so then they scrape this off, and the, the stuff is dried. And this is what they use as, as this form of therapy. But they say they're very careful with the frogs and they let them loose after because they recognize that this is the way that they you know, can uh, increase the population of the frogs so that they will have more of this resin to, to collect. So they certainly uh, do release the frogs. Uh, the chemistry of this has been looked into and uh, it's a variety of peptides which are chains of amino acids. And as you said, you know, I mean, obviously, many of them these have physiological activity, as as one would um, one would expect. It is certainly possible that if they are independently studied, that some of these might have some some benefit. And there there is some indication that that uh, people who have depression have actually been helped by this, but obviously not with any clinical trials. So you know, we we don't really know. It is something that is worth exploring because, again, as you know, as Jonathan mentioned, I mean, nature is full of, of substances that have potential. But having potential is not the same as, as having the evidence. And as I said, uh, I was first uh, asked about this uh, about two years ago when a lady came to see me who had actually done done this, and she brought with her a video. So, I mean, I, I wasn't <laughs> oh. there when it happened, but but 
I saw the video. And the uh, uh, first thing that you notice about the video is the projectile vomiting oh, uh, that, that comes. Really? And you know what is, is really amazing is how quickly that, that happens. So, uh, in, in this particular case, they used a cigarette, not an incense uh -huh. stick. And uh, I think they burned about five different Holes, little bits yeah. on, on her arm. And then they just applied the uh, frog extract. And I'd say within about 15 seconds, oh, wow. you could see the effect. Oh. And it was the projectile vomiting. I was just waiting to see if her head turns around. Why, why, was, she, <laughs> uh, why, why was she doing this? Uh, because she had heard that uh, it's a detoxifying thing. Uh -huh. It's going to give her more energy, going to make her feel better. And uh, she said that she felt better after. Well, I suspect she did feel better because once the projectile yes. vomiting is over, you, you, feel you, better. you tend to yeah. feel better. And But she said that after that, uh, she felt tremendously relaxed. She felt that she had more energy and uh, uh, was my, more capable of doing so she whatever she was. She yeah. actually was for it in the end. She was for it. So she wasn't coming she, to you as, as like no, a, this no, is a she, bogus no, something no, practice. No, what she was coming for is to, to ask whether or not uh, it was possible to somehow take this as a pill form or, you know, because she wasn't really keen on the... Uh, burning? On, on the burning <laughs> and, and the vomiting. But she liked the after effect. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, you know, it's interesting. And uh, I, I'm sure that it's going to trigger some, uh, some further research. Is this a new thing? I'm sorry, like Jonathan, you said you found this on. Uh, this was a very recent uh, blog post, uh, calling it the next wellness trend. I think yeah. I think it's been p picking up okay, steam over the past few it. years yeah. with I, the whole I wellness think... industry now. Oh but yeah, this, I think this it's is a... based on on ancient rituals. Right. Oh yeah, I mean, they, I'm sure this has been going on, you know, in the jungles of the Amazon. Oh no, I'm sure. Uh, but, but, but now that it's hitting the whole foods it's, market, yes, it's, yeah. yeah, and so it's I, being goopified. Right, in a sense. exactly. Well, we're just waiting for Gwyneth to kick in and see whether or not she. Or Pushified. Did you hear that also with What's one push? of the one of the Kardashians? Also, oh, there's something yes. called Push now going push on goop. goop. Yeah. Where's the world going? Exactly. All right. So that's uh, that's our little story. The the uh, the frog is also called the Amazon monkey frog mm -hmm. because it does have a resemblance to the monkey. So whether it turns out to be monkey business or whether there eventually turns out to be some pharmaceutical application, we're waiting to see. But at least now you know the story behind uh, Combo. You're listening to The Dr. Joe Show. We'll be right back. Science you can use. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. You know, we often talk about uh, unreasonable scares. And, you know, there are many of those. Uh, whether it comes to certain food additives, you know, like the artificial sweeteners or food dyes or dry cleaning solvents. But, you know, it's not always nonsense uh, because there are some real concerns out there. And uh, in Louisiana, uh, just around New Orleans, there's an area that is commonly referred to as Cancer Alley. And this is because there's a lot of industry there, a lot of petroleum industry, a lot of chemicals in the air. And uh, it turns out that there is really an unusual number of cancer cases uh, in, in Cancer Alley. And there's one particular parish uh, where the incidence of cancer is uh, several dozen times higher than one would expect. Question is, what is causing this? Well, uh, one of the chemicals that is in the air is chloroprene. Chloroprene is very interesting because it is used in the making of neoprene. You know what neoprene is? 
Uh, it's a stretchy yeah. rubber-like yeah, material. Stretchy it's rubber kind of like. in style now in some some clothing. It is, yeah. and it's what wetsuits are, right. are, yeah. are made of. And it has a lot of commercial uses. And now, neoprene is a, is a polymer. And uh, when you make neoprene, uh, you start out with a chemical called chloroprene. You link together chloroprene molecules into the long chain. Now, once you have the finished product, there's no issue. It's the manufacturing where the monomer can be released into into the air. And uh, in this particular case, in the area just around the factory where um, the neoprene is produced, the cancer rate is 50 times the national average. Whoa. Now, you know, we, we often make a distinction between associations and cause and effect. And Jonathan, if you want to just you well, know, this is certainly that. this is certainly uh, worthy of an investigation. Yeah. I mean, obviously, by chance alone, you will find, for example, one county in the U.S. that has a, a much above average rate of this type of cancer or, or the lowest uh, rate of cancer. But when you when you reach these kinds of numbers, you do have to investigate. Now, again, yeah, as, as you're mentioning. Just because there's an association between two things doesn't mean that one causes the other, because it could be that the other causes the one. It could be purely fortuitous. Uh, it could be that both are caused by some third variable. So we don't know right off the bat. Right. But when you're talking 50 times the national average, it makes you pay attention. Oh, yeah. And especially when you also find that a chemical that is a known carcinogen in animals is, is in the air. So this is something to, uh, to certainly look at. Now, of course, uh, chloroprene is not the only chemical that is produced in, in, in this area. There's huge chemical production industry there. Another one is ethylene oxide. Ethylene oxide is another very interesting chemical. Uh, it's highly reactive, which is the use that, reason that is used as a sterilizing agent. It's right. used in hospitals uh, as a sterilizing agent. And uh, it is also the raw material for the making of ethylene glycol. Ethylene glycol is antifreeze. But there's another reason why ethylene glycol is produced. It is one of the raw materials to make the polyester that goes into the bottles that we use for drinking, uh, the soft drinks, bottled water, etc. That plastic uh, requires the use of ethylene glycol. And the ethylene glycol comes from uh, ethylene oxide. So, you know, just take a look at the number of bottles that are being produced around the world you know how much ethylene oxide is being used. And ethylene oxide is a gas, and some of it, unfortunately, is released in the manufacturing facility, and people in, inhale it. So again, you know, there, there are real environmental issues uh, out there. And uh, talking about the bottled water, I mean, that's another real environmental uh, issue. Mm -hmm. You uh, love bottled water, uh, don't Yeah, you? the bottled water. I mean, I, I would like to see bottled water banned, and uh, McGill has done that. Uh, mm -hmm. We're not going to sell any more uh, bottled yeah. water. I don't think there's any reason to drink bottled water, certainly in the Western world. Uh, it's quite different, you know, in the developing world yeah. where, where there may be reason to, to have to, uh, to drink it. But, as long uh, as you make water fountains available to people. Exactly. As long as, you know, when, when you have clean drinking water, as we have mm -hmm. in municipally treated water, uh, why go and spend all that money on, uh, mm -hmm. on stuff that really isn't uh, necessary? Okay, just one more little item here about toxicity. Emily, you get your nails done, correct? I do. Sometimes. <laughs> what do you smell when you go in there? Oh, like uh, chemicals. Chemicals, exactly. <laughs> Acetone. Like exactly. Acetone. Nail polish remover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of, lot of chemicals. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, n there's no question that there is scent Like it burns there. your nose. Yeah. And uh, some of those chemicals, again, 
in high concentrations are known to be a problem. Formaldehyde is one that is is used when you put on, uh, when, uh, you know, the build up the nails. Mm-hmm. Uh, formaldehyde is used. There are the solvents to remove nail polish. There are the solvents that that are used when you put on nail polish. And, you know, there, there's no question there's hexane in the air, there's benzene in the air, there's formaldehyde in the air. Now, when you go and have your nails done once in a while, this is not an issue because, of course, as we know, it's the dose that makes the poison. But what about the people who are working in these salons? Yeah. That is an issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, we are getting a number of studies that show that that various kind of diseases ranging from asthma to cancer are higher among these people because many of them will work 50 to 70 hours yeah. wow. uh, in these parlors mm-hmm. you know, and they're wearing the, these cheap disposable uh, face not masks even all. Do exactly not they do nothing, nothing. No. not they even all nothing. like maybe there's one at the place that yeah. i go to and that's about it so maybe next time you go emily they'll yes. be wearing the full-on hazmat suit right or i should bring i should equip you them should, with some you, better uh, now here's an idea that the researchers came up with who did this study of the chemicals in the air Activated carbon is a material that can absorb many of these smells. Mm-hmm. How do you do this? Well, they've managed to embed activated carbon into artwork oh. that they hang in the uh, in these nail polish uh, places. Okay. And there are little devices, much more potent than, than just ordinary fans, that are below these uh, uh, pieces of artwork, blowing the air towards the artwork. And they've shown that this can actually clean up the air. And uh, more than that, it makes the place look much nicer. So it's artwork with embedded activated carbon in it. They circulate the air towards it so that uh, you cut down on the um, uh, these volatile organic compounds, which are potentially problematic. So science does raise some problems, hmm. but very often it can solve them. Where, so, where are those available? Like, where was that made? Well, this is just new, so okay. uh, I don't think you see them hanging in your no. uh, parlor yet, but but you will. All right, we are smack out of time. So today you learned about the frog in the Amazon and what it may and may not do. You learned a little bit about uh, sunscreens and also about titanium dioxide. And we will be back uh, next week with uh, more interesting stuff in the world of science. Until then, I'm Joe Schwartz, hoping that all the chemistry in life comes out just right.